What have you been up to? Since. So I actually looked up our first uh, time we spoke, which was uh, June 2020. So almost three yeah. years ago. <laughs> so a lot, actually. <laughs> and then you spoke to Steve in October 2015 in your third year at Sheridan. Oh my god, I did. And I read that interview too. Oh my god. Your I, opinion, I your opinion on Sheridan changes drastically from 2015 to 2020. Right? Right. It's almost like I went through the actual <laughs> program. I also, from 2020, got even more sour on my education, if that helps. Yeah. No, I think everybody did. It mm. was just like, oh, this was a waste of our time. I could have just been... I mean, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's a waste of my time, but definitely like the bullshit that I had to put up with was not worth it. And the price tag for the bullshit. And the price tag. And now, versus okay. what you got out of it. Right. I noticed. You have specifically the Fiona and Cupcake plushies. Because somebody gave them to me. Uh-huh. And also it's because uh, I was just like mad about that short. And uh-huh. my friend also got me the graphic novel to go with it. I watched the show for the first time last summer. And I, I never finished TV shows. So it was amazing oh to finish God. like all 12 seasons or whatever. Nice. And the thing about Fiona and cupcake specifically is like they're always a, a very obvious analogy for adventure time's own fan fiction community yeah in ice king who is a, a despicable character early on you're supposed to come to love over time and just like that feels like such a softer like comic book guy from the simpsons in some ways where it's like i think that was what they were going for yeah it's so beautiful Alright, uh, I'm gonna message him one more time and see. Or if he shows up late, it's fine. <laughs> Last time uh, we spoke, you were uh, mystery science theatering Life is Strange 2. Did that wrap up? Oh, yeah, that did wrap up. Uh, what did you think? I did not finish it. Okay, uh, but it wrapped up. It. <laughs> it wrapped up. Yeah, we were like, oh, we're done with this. We and his sister, my roommate's sister, were just like, this is so boring. <laughs> like, I can't even make fun of it anymore. <laughs> Damn. Wait, did you, fin- you finished it? Do you no, have I- I've just watched it. I've never played it. Yeah, I tried to watch a bit more. I was just like, eh. It's just... It's just mid. Mm. It's just very mid. Like, I can't I can't say that anything's, like, terrible about it, but it just, like, did not grab me the way that, like, the first one did. So the midness doesn't come from the style of adventure game. It comes from, like, the writing or the characters. Because, like, yeah. for me, I kind of see it in my head as, like, the Telltale Life is Strange model of Choose Your Own Adventure was kind of, like, evolved into, like, the Until Dawn dark pictures. Like, double mm-hmm. A, almost triple A, like, much more polished shot art and much more... Uh, deliberate sort of adventure game and I much prefer those but I know these are still very popular and like Wolf Among Us season two is coming out so for you the midness in Life of Strange 2 didn't come from the mechanics as much as 
it, it was just a mid story and yeah. frankly like um when your when your game is your story then <laughs> i just yeah i but i'm glad i'm glad we're getting to the point where now we're like we're hitting meh content mm, mm -hmm. because that means we're probably going to get a lot of cool stuff coming up from people who worked on that mid content. <laughs> so that's the thing. So like, and I don't want to take it to like native game designer right away, but like one thing I talked to my buddy, uh, Reed Price at Red Meat about, talk about like a movie, a black person did a game that they didn't like. And he's like, good, we need more shitty black games yeah. out there. So that it like, th like the average, cause if it's just every two years, a black thing comes out and it has to be perfect. Cause it's the only black thing. That's not the pressure we want. There has to be, mid black games and movies yes. there has to be mid native games and movies there uh, absolutely does yes uh but we're still at that like need to have a lot years. of successes oh my god ridiculous yeah right like i was actually talking to somebody uh because somebody in another interview had been like oh are you the first Sada? hey, hey. what's up sorry my my meeting alarms haven't been going off and i can't figure out why no That's worries okay. i can be your meeting alarm <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, we're just talking about mid games and why they're so important for representation. Mm. Mid mid games, like yeah. meh. Oh, like why is meh important for representation? I'm like, because it's less pressure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, you know, it is. It's uh, if if you have you know like a hit right off the bat, you're kind of like, oh, now I had now the expectations are I have to have a hit every time. That happened, yeah. I think, to Jordan Peele because uh, I'm getting diminishing returns on the Jordan Peele formula. <laughs> I know I haven't even seen Nope, but everyone was like, "It's his greatest film." I was like, oh, "That is not what I heard from people who watched it." Yeah, I mean, it was fun. I had fun, but you know, he's like, you know, there's the Akira bike slide. There's a lot of like, "Oh, yep," you know, Leo pointing meme from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm like, I recognize that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I try not to do uh, too many memes and mm. stuff. Uh, I've been saving the memes and references for my interviews rather than my work. Interesting, interesting. Yes. That's something Steve and I talk about because I don't know if you guys have played uh, Guacamole 1 or 2, but it yeah, is... I wrote a report on Guacamole <laughs> 1, how to make it good. Oh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I make the story good. The I, actual game boom. is fantastic. Yeah, it's, I, I think I only played for Guacamole for like a little bit, and I was just kind of like, okay, I get it, and that was it. <laughs> okay, That's awesome. Wanna, did I tell you? Did I not, Steve? Did I not tell you my my giant report I did that um, Max, um, I think Pisner, the writer who like taught me at Sheridan, no. is also friends with one of the studio heads, <clears throat> sent him my report. Yeah, literally got back. Mm, that's nice um <laughs> because so what i said was that's nice had, isn't you're wrong no i i think actually it was a i don't want to talk about uh -oh. it that's even but, more um, not you're wrong <laughs> i was right no everybody knew i was right because mm -hmm. everybody in the class was losing their shit on it because what i had said was replace the fucking mayor's daughter with a chicken mm -hmm. just make just not don't change any dialogue mm-hmm just, or, well, I mean, I guess it would have to be bok bok rather than whatever she says. But, like, make <laughs> make her a chicken. Shoot. And she's just the mayor's prize pet chicken who is in love with this main character <laughs> and gets kidnapped by Satan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because that's essentially who that was. Um, who's in love with the chicken also and has a jealous ex-girlfriend who can't compete with a chicken. Yes. And people in class are just losing their shit. They're like, that would have been 
a fucking excellent game. I that would have been much funnier. Yeah, that would have been much funnier because what they did by default is just like mechanically they were you know copying Nintendo. They just copied right. Nintendo's approach to the story, which is like, yeah. oh, this is a great game we've just finished. What should it be about? <laughs> I, yeah, and that was that was really frustrating, especially because I did go to a lot of the talks where the lead, who is from Mexico, talked about how mm-hmm. much of his culture he was trying to put in, but it really did feel like they suffered for not having a narrative designer. Mm-hmm. Oh, small children have arrived. No worries. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, like that's a thing I find that happens in a lot of studios where it's like you're very passionate about your culture, you want to put that in, awesome. Mm-hmm. So like, all right, there you got the art and the flavor. Uh, you're a really cool mechanic designer or programmer, so you put in some like really cool stuff, and then you're kind of like, how how do we tie it together? Mm-hmm. And it's there's like, a third you, leg on that stool that's missing. That you haven't, <laughs> We're leaning. yeah. And, and I think a lot of times people try to do it themselves, and then like, bleh. and it's interesting. I've noticed is gamers will for or I shouldn't say gamers, game players yeah. will forgive meh mechanics if the story and art are fantastic mm-hmm. in a way that they will not forgive a meh story if the art and mechanics are fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's actually uh, that new one that Square Enix put out for Spoken, I think is a good example of that. Like it's really pretty. It mm-hmm. looks great, but people are like this story and dialogue sucks. Yeah. And oh yeah. yeah. I, I played the demo and yeah, it's you know, like the, the mechanics are interesting, if not repetitive. Um, and it looks really pretty, but the story is just. So nope. I actually watched a bunch of that. And mm. I realized the problem is the aesthetic mm. does not mesh well with the story. The story is your standard anime protagonist bullshit, Isekai. Mm-hmm. She she moves like an anime protagonist. It's yeah. all floaty and jumpy. She it's, talks. Yeah. She talks like an anime protagonist. She has there's the tropes are all anime protagonists. Mm-hmm. But like the environment is hyper realistic, super serious, dark, grim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a, it's a, uh, I don't want to say ludonarrative dissidence because it's not the problem with the gameplay. Right. It's like a whatever Latin for artists. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a aesthetic, aesthetic narrative dissidence yes. where the narrative and the aesthetic are not meshing well because, you, you know, our, your audience has been trained to expect certain things from different art styles. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think this probably could have been a fun dumb game if they had not tried to go hyper realistic i think if they'd gone anime yeah. they probably would have been loved but they didn't because the the conditions of the manufacturing of this game revolved around a contract that made it an unreal engine game so it was like the 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 core thing that makes this game exist is going to hold it back by just the nature of how it's going to be created you know what I, I, mean? I think that's them i that's not the engine that's on them okay. like we're using unreal Sure, yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And actually, we're, I can't talk too much about it because we haven't like secured any funding. Okay. But like the next game that we want to do is also, we're planning to be in Unreal and we're pushing aesthetic even harder because Unreal will let us do that. Would you say the game would be uh, uh, epic and/or mega? Mega. <laughs> if someone wants to give us epic and or mega money to make yeah. then, then yes then yes, yes. But un- until that until that mm, but gotcha. like you know we've already been thinking about you know what do we want to start doing in the future mm-hmm. and you know sade we're pretty much like yeah we're gonna push hard on art pushing like what a game can look like mm-hmm. not necessarily in a way that i think 
it's interesting because we were we were talking about like this game where we pushed really hard against norms of how video games, especially adventure games, look, and yet that's not how it's being received because mm. people are just like, oh, I just like it. I just, I just like it. I was like, do you have any idea how like how many tropes and shit we broke making this by like meshing a bunch of other tropes and shit together to be like, let's do this. And like, we went weird. We, we tried things that I was like, should that work? Um, it was like some of the solutions that we came up with were pretty obvious. Like originally we we're going to do the game in color yeah. and then have like a, uh, a post-processing and as in the in the conversation, this is before we done any work because mm-hmm. this is what post production is for. Uh, before we did Pre- any work, yeah, pre production. <laughs> Sorry, pre production, not post production. What is post? Never mind. Uh, this we, is we post production. Like, <laughs> we were chatting about like what would, um, yeah, like what would uh, be the best way to do that. What kind of like programming we're gonna have to do? And then I don't even remember who said it. Was it Maritzia? I think it was Maritzia. Might, might have been. Just was yeah. like, why don't we just, just do it grayscale? Yeah, she's like, we can just do all the characters and the buildings in grayscale. And we're like, oh my gosh, you're right. So the last yes. time we spoke about the game, uh, it was 2D colored art so far. Yeah. Uh, so at what point uh, in development did you make the jump to the 3D and then to the grayscale? So we originally had always wanted to do grayscale, but with neon that okay. was in color so that was always the aesthetic we were going for and it was re- it was really hard to get across we were getting more of a sepia mm. with some pops of color in the 2d one okay so the reason we went to 3d is probably the original reason was really dumb i'm super glad we did it uh <laughs> the person i was working with at the time to set up all the scenes we could not agree on angles of cameras mm. okay at all like we this this was like an unending fight huh. um and it got to the point where we we're like well, what do we do like we have to make a decision or we're not gonna be able to go forward this is in 2019 when we were kind of before we really or sorry this is 2020 before we got the funding mm-hmm. um and i was like putting in I was, I was putting in our budget and stuff like that and he was just like so it was three of us it was like um the guy who was going to be helping us with like setting up how to make it look cinematic and mm-hmm. then the artist that I was working with at the time. And he was like, why don't we just go 3d? Mm. Why don't you just have uh, your artist do the designs and then you hire an environment artist and a 3d modeler for the characters. And then we can put the camera wherever we want. And it's uh, much more deliberate than what I think a mistake some people make who just see it uh, is like, oh, they did the, the gray box and then didn't keep making the game. No, it's like you've made specific levels and then chose to color them and compose them that way, right? Yeah, yeah. And and so that actually let us now take a, a theater film studio approach to mm. all the sets, which thank God, because I really think if we had started with 2D, we would have been locked into something that would have really you know hamstrung us along the way and really wouldn't have been able to do kind of the cool stuff that we did also there are just things now like we got to work with a technical artist who put in like little things on the camera so it kind of follows even though the camera position's locked and Mm -hmm. and then you know the walking down the street which that was in the original 2d and that was the easiest one um but in all these other spaces and it just felt better already and allowing to have that like fine tuning to make a better experience. Um, I actually feel like 
we this game always had to have been 3d i don't know mm. it just felt that way after a yeah. while i was like this always had to have been 3d it's funny you say that because the last time we spoke you said a big thing you were trying to do was capture uh a, a specific sort of detective st- a style that you know you loved in the harry potter tv or sorry not harry potter uh harcue poirot wow oh yeah <laughs> yes. that tv show that's a different <laughs> Hey, I got the HP. Give me the HP. Uh, and and you said like Sherlock Holmes. And we, we talked a bit about Ellie Noir and you said one of the things that they could do is like, hey, they made it sort of cinematic and that's the best compliment we'll pay them. Being a 3D game uh, lets you do a lot of the things that I imagine you like from those shows and other 3D detective games have gotten right. Is that fair to say? Yeah, totally. And then with like the little fine touches that it, um, our technical artist Adam put in, like it really did feel cinematic with that slow pan as you know he'll moves and then back and and then other times like you know it stays pretty tight. Um, we have one big reveal where the camera kind of spins like near the end of the game, which I was like super. I hope it still works. We even we just put out a patch today, and I'm like I wonder what else is gonna break. <laughs> Um, but I had put in this one thing where Hill comes up in this one space in the risen in the flying palace in the big foyer, which like thought I can talk about. We are very proud of that space. Um, it's not as many butts as we wanted, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the camera starts where behind Hill and she's facing out, and then it just spins into position, mm. and it just gives you like a what oh yes so those little moments for me like we couldn't have done that with um yeah we couldn't have done that with 2d so and if we had it would have been more expensive actually Mm. i was just just real quick like 3d gives you a like you get that sense of depth you don't get in 2d Mm -hmm. so the world feels more real you know that suspension of disbelief is is easier for our you know our brains to comprehend. It's just like it's like oh well if I'm just working in a 2D game, it's like I'm literally just moving up to the screen. Like I'm not actually moving in depth. It's just like okay, but in 3D you you get that sense of you know depth. Mm-hmm. Also, like hyper reward a lot. Yeah. Like um, I think people think of 3D as I have to do a hyper realistic, even if it's aesthetic. <clears throat> space i was like no no we we treated this like a sound stage mm. there are backdrops there are props that hide things that oh, you don't, yeah. we don't want you to see um there's really only like one layer and then maybe another layer that not everything else behind that's all like drawn um it's not like we didn't use no 2d mm-hmm. uh, but definitely we we went in very purposely treating it like a sound stage and we got a lot of cool stuff out of that. Mm. And we got to do a lot of cool stuff with that. And I, I actually was really inspired by, so funny, um, I think was it, I think it was one of the Assassin's Creed's, um, the one set in Venice. Which one was that? That's two. There's you a, go to Venice in two. So I think it was two. So I remember being at like GDC or watching a GDC talk by one of the technical artists on that. And they were mm-hmm. talking about or and a programmer talking about how they were they, they put this trigger bubble on the main character mm. um and then there was like one bubble that was like you know um a hun- like 100 feet around and then there was another bubble that was like 250 feet or something like that and once the 250 foot bubble hit a point it would trigger 
characters to instantiate in their places mm-hmm. um like an actor would walk would be like you're you're on and the actor would walk yeah. on and then when you hit the next bubble it would trigger like events and stuff to happen around but it's already in process of going and so then the sound would start and, mm. and that kind of thing and i was like that's fantastic <laughs> i that's a great idea okay so i've basically locked hill into these areas so mm-hmm. i know where her bubble is so like why don't we just do that mm. um and and that was basically how we kind of set up you know so make the feel, place feel alive add some um, texture to the world yeah add some texture yeah. to the world yeah add some like layers mm. that's so important one, one of the one of the things that was kind of a bummer is like we initially had even more characters so mm. many yeah so like i think we had twice as many mm. than, than we currently have so it was like is it a memory issue is it a timeline and production issue money, money issue money. Yeah. it was a money issue <sighs> money is the Basically, killer of so many good characters yeah. <laughs> Basically, anything that we don't have in here is because we didn't have the money for it or mm. because we had to something happened. We didn't have the money to make up for it and we had to cut something. Mm. So we, we were this, it was a much bigger project initially. So we've already talked for 30 minutes without an introduction. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CanadianGameDevs.com podcast. Uh, Today we have our third interview with Megan Byrne from uh, Achimastawin and Games, which means tell us a story in Creed. And we're hopefully going to have these developers tell us a story about their game's development. Uh, But also joining us is, and I put it into Google and tried to say it, and so I was Sada Carones. Mm, close. Google so said close. it was Latvian too, and I was like, I don't know about that. Nope, nope. Uh, Sat <laughs> uh, Thank you. Mexican indigenous uh, concept and art lead on uh, Hill Agency. And yeah, so definitely not Latvian. You know, we're uh, in English. We're we're called Mohawks. Uh, part mm. of the. Uh, the Haudenosaunee, otherwise known as Iroquois Confederacy. And how do you feel, and I asked Megan about this last time, she said, like, eh, we're, we're in Canada. How do you feel about uh, being called a Canadian game developer? Thumbs up, Dan? Well, here's the thing. Like, my family is from Ontario, mm-hmm. on my mom's side, from Tyendinaga Reserve. So to me, being called a Canadian dev, even though I'm technically in uh, the U.S., is not a problem because mm. I'm technically a dual citizen. Nice. And, you know, also not a citizen of either because I am a citizen of uh, the Haudenosaunee first. So it's like the idea that any of the colonial states exist to me is not really that big a deal. (laughs) Gotcha. It it only messes travel up for me. (laughs) We can do our little Canadian podcast, Pat Pat. (laughs) Awesome. I'm I'm cool with it. (laughs) Sweet. Last time we talked was June 2020. Uh, I re-listened to that interview before this and it was a bit cringe. I've gotten so much better at this, I hope. (laughs) You can compare and contrast. I was also cringe. <laughs> I'll link it at the top. Um, 
you had left your job, Megan, March 2020 to work full time on the studio. Uh, there were 11 of you at the time. Uh, and you were going for uh, funding that August. Um, uh, where, as briefly or as longly as you possible, does the story pick up from there? Oh, man. That was like... <laughs> Three years ago. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and so much changed so quickly. Mm. So basically, uh, long story short, by September... No, I think by like October 2020, I was it was basically like me. Mm. Um and Sade and um down down from 11 yeah I don't even think Sade was on the project when I last talked to anybody from yeah like I don't think when I talked to you um I don't even think Sade was on the project yet mm. and um I, I'd done I something hmm? earlier I'd done I'd done like a couple little things earlier and that was yeah kind of it but you weren't on yeah, team that, at Chimo games yet yes gotcha but that application that like so i put in end of august beginning of september was the application ontario creates and cmf for full production sade was on that one so were a bunch of other people who had basically left and so i had to, I actually like reached out to cmf and was like can i can i rename people on or can i do something here and they were like yeah yeah it's fine we also got a new producer mm. that was a whole thing so so i guess maybe three technically like but really it was just like the inside and that was a weird limbo space until about like late november early december when we get we got the message from ontario crates yeah you're approved nice. uh, we're just waiting on cmf and i was like great because this is what happens every this is what has happened every time <laughs> was terry crates was like we're so in maybe a different amount but we're so in and mm. then cmf be like absolutely not ah. so i i had said to myself and basically whoever was left uh okay if we don't get this i'm just canceling this project and mm. we'll do something else and you know well, obviously that didn't happen <laughs> obviously that didn't happen we got the message uh you got it i was like Fuck, now I have to yes. something. <laughs> so so what, what did that uh email receiving moment feel like a really high really low a bit of both i i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> that's fine i don't even remember if i told anybody i just remember being like "Fuck." how did you feel sade when you heard project was a go Oh, it was one of those things where, like, so I'd been out of the, the industry for a bit, mm. and I was like, kind of, if it hadn't been for this project, I'd probably still be out. Huh. For me, this was just sort of a a, a return, and when, when it got funded, I was just like, hell yeah. Because, <laughs> you, know, you know, my my desire had returned to become a full-time artist again, mm. and that was one of the things that really helped me out was when Miegan was able to say, hey, I have funding for this project that's you know really cool yeah and, and i was like you're damn right it's really cool and uh fuck let's do this oh yes. heck yeah 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 so was there something specifically about hill agency that like was the thing that just when i thought i was out they pulled me back in <laughs> so um i had just got done working uh with uh in homelessness mm. uh response during the, the covid pandemic uh, in seattle and um it was a way to kind of deal with some of like the on the ground stuff I was seeing mm. it's just like through, through the art. And I grew up with, you know, noir films and movies and like Chinatown's one of my favorite movies. Mm. So like the, the, the and I love Hercule Poirot. So like I, I grew up. <laughs> Thank on you the, for on also the... saying that, right? <laughs> Not yes. Harry Potter. Well, I grew up on the, on the ones they showed on PBS down here in the States. So, you know, mm. it's, 
him with his little mustache. And I always loved that one. And there was another show uh, called Cad File, mm. which was he was he was like a a, a priest detective, like a Franciscan Benedict uh, monk or something. Mm-hmm. But so I always grew up on like these these uh, detective shows of different styles, and like the idea to make a detective game was super fun to me because I also grew up on point and click adventures yes so when megan was like i want to do a point and click detective game with like indigenous but also noir and mm. also like some cyberpunk and i'm like you've you've hit all of my touchstones i'm like this is this is you this son is of a bitch i'm here. in <laughs> yeah exactly from there uh we got into uh the assembling the team which is always after the son of a bitch i'm in moment and megan you you said specifically last mm-hmm. time uh the team you had originally 11 was about 60 percent indigenous and like your kind of goal with growing this team was uh you said you wanted to find young talented indigenous people in one area or a couple and then train them up to where they could work on this scheme uh how did that shake out and how did assembling the team after you got the grant go so just one point, it's me again. Oh, I'm so sorry, me again. No, no, it's okay. Okay, so I had come to creator moment with the like building up the next generation thing, and I realized I had been going way too hard without the right kind of resources, and I was mm. not doing anybody a favor. Um, so I looked at it more as uh, I need to be a little bit more careful about who am I bringing on and why am I bringing them on and just bringing them on when I have and I'm when I'm not very well resourced because I just want to build them up mm-hmm. is not going to help them and it's not going to help me. So did kind of take a step back from that. So for all of 2021, we didn't really have anybody who I would say is like an intern. We did have people who were junior for sure, but they'd already kind of proven themselves to have talent um, and they weren't necessarily Indigenous. Though we did end up working with Maritzia Lewis, mm. who is um, an Indigenous Coast Salish animator, or not animator, sorry, 3D modeler. Mm. Um, for characters and in fact is known for work on things like into the spider-verse and uh, super pets and a bunch of other things um actually was the modeler for spider noir huh so that makes a lot of sense doesn't it yeah she was super excited to work with us but we wouldn't have we wouldn't have necessarily gotten that if i had been like oh i'm only gonna hire like young indigenous people on this project and i think one of the things i started to realize was if you want to be a good mentor you have to be in a stable place Mm. And I started realizing that I needed to apply the basically the life-saving principle to mm. myself, where it's like, you can't save anyone who's drowning. If you are also drowning, you have to get to shore first, then the, send out a boat. Or The professional version of the, like, you got to love yourself before you can love someone else kind of thing. I, well, I mean, I think like that is like, uh, we can debate. Like, I think that needs more context. I think with this one, it's legit. Like, if you are drowning, mm. you are saving nobody. You are helping nobody. And mm. I was drowning. I, there was like way too much work to do. I had taken on way too many hats. I didn't have the kind of finances where I could just take risks on people so I was trying to do the best that I could while sort of still maintaining that I want to have as many indigenous people on this project as possible mm-hmm. but really it was like me and Sade were the leads and then everybody else was kind of just 
taking marching orders. That changed um, really interestingly at the end of 2021 when I got an email from a young Indigenous woman who had just graduated or was going to just be graduating, I can't remember, from a game development program. And then also her partner was also Indigenous and they had gotten funding through the Georgian Bay Friendship Center, Native mm. Friendship Center, to pay for them to be interns. And we were like, okay. okay. So like that's like so that's an opportunity that, you know, I I looked at what we had, I talked to Sade, I talked to Amanda, our project manager. We looked at the work to do. We made a decision. We're like, okay, we'll bring them on. There's work they can do that if they don't get it done, really won't harm the project. Mm. But if they do it, it would really enhance the project. And that's how we started with them. And actually, it's really funny. And I think Sade should tell the story of how we uh, how we made uh, <laughs> Paul change careers. Um, yeah, it, it was like really, it was really amazing to see them grow. Mm. And they've now become permanent members of our team. And so, like, the next project, they will be on as full-time staff, not interns. Hey, congrats. <laughs> but, yeah, but, no, yeah, Sadie needs to tell about Paul. <laughs> oh, so, oh, yeah. So, during our interview with uh, with Paul and Jasmine, um, I think you read them separately. I noticed that he likes doing 3D. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he definitely is really good at being a surface model or hard surfaces. Mm-hmm. Or that sort of stuff he's really good at it but he didn't come across as passionate about it and during the mm. interview i picked up when he had mentioned about audio no way. and <laughs> there was there was a spark of fire that i was able to pick up whoa when he mentioned it and so just just so you know uh, my background i used to work in emergency services mm-hmm uh, out of high school i was an emt for 10 years um so like i have a lot of experience like interpersonal like de- meeting with people do and i i pick up on cues really quick mm-hmm. because i had i had to so life or death yeah exactly so when i saw that my brain went this guy's an audio guy he's doing, <laughs> he's, doing a, he's doing 3d because it's probably a more steady job he also enjoys 3d like he enjoys the act of creation but audio turns that knob for him up to mm, 11. Very and good. Very good. I, I, I figured that out and I told Meg and I'm just like, we need to ask Paul about audio. I think like I think that's the thing that's really got him like really, really what he's into. So Paul did audio on a Hill Agency? Yeah. Like all, awesome. all the really all the really awesome like attenuation when you walk up to doors, mm. like that was his idea. Incredible. Yeah. I was just like, dang. Go Paul. Yeah. So you had you weren't drowning anymore as a team, and you were able to pull other people uh, as much. You were on the raft, and you were able to pull people onto the raft without jeopardizing yes. the raft, basically. <laughs> yes. Basically. Okay. <laughs> there was room for more people on the raft, and is still. <laughs> I think we really should give Jasmine her kudos as well. Yes, mm. absolutely. Because also, like she joined as the as as uh, you know environment. Uh, intern with Paul as well Mm. and initially I had them designing the signs for the world you know that's where we get like the really cool neon uh, signs that are in the game some are my designs and a lot of them are theirs cool and then situation happened where Jasmine had to step up and start set dressing Mm. and like her skill levels just shot through the roof yeah rose to the challenge yes like it was it was definitely like a rocky start but once she got it i think after the first two and then she's like oh okay this is what i'm doing and then it's actually funny towards the end she kept coming back and i knew this was gonna happen be like can i like 
make it like this change and mm. she's like i'm just gonna be like, i'm just gonna be like a day and then we come back and it's like oh my god like i would say the public housing space mm. which i actually thought was going to be difficult to do because to me it was supposed to be this weird in-between space for people who had been essentially created like made into refugees Mm -hmm. being kind of just deposited on the land and then you have the sovereign nation trying to like give them homes and spaces and like you know a place to be a healthy human being Mm -hmm. and you're like but it can't be too sovereign because you don't want to make them uncomfortable because Mm. that's you know you're we're good hosts there's a, hosting is a huge thing in indigenous culture under the like Anishinaabe so you want to be a good host mm-hmm. and I was like I was a little worried and that was not a problem she got it she understood and she understood without being told why it needed to look the way it did in fact I think she was the one who was like I'm gonna build a basketball court and I'm gonna give them like balls and I was like put the balls everywhere and she's like yeah that was my plan mm-hmm. yeah Steve had made them so they actually move when you run into them now. Mm, <laughs> that's that's always nice. It's the little things in games. Yeah. Yes. So Jasmine's authorship began to emerge as she got more confident in the new role. Yes. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. Like, yeah, and yeah. Jasmine's definitely like, I, I think she's going to be a rising star. She's got, she's got, what do we call it, leadership potential. Excellent. Yeah, which I tell her all the time. <laughs> yeah. a outlet don't cover ubisoft outside of when they give indie teams money for various reasons um but they gave you guys money correct you won the indie ubisoft prize 2022 can you talk a bit about that process and what that was like and and how that helped uh sorry do you want to talk about it because i think they all blurred together at a point um let's say honestly that that came at a point in time where we were we were right on the verge of having to wrap it up and call it done wow um, because uh we were pretty much running out of funds and we were just like we're not gonna have anything to put out so it, it sort of it hit that one time where it was it was the make or break time mm-hmm. and you know getting that money allowed me to stay on the project and wow. gave us enough to to keep going and and you know get it through to the finish line mm-hmm. yeah and you know and let, let's face it like the publicity didn't hurt either like good. That, that, good that's great you know was it like did you see that in steam wish list did you see that in followers like yeah, yeah. It's, it's where we're where, um people you know there's a lot of indie games out and people you know it's hard to cut through through all the, the chatter and the noise mm-hmm. but when you have a large studio come through and then say hey of all the games we looked at this is the one that caught our attention yes and for multiple reasons, like we, we didn't expect to win. We were like, we thought we we're like, oh, you know, we're going to go in and they'll be like, oh, it's cool. But then we're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. And then they announced our name and it was just like, the hell, man. Yeah. Oh, Steve and I were stoked. We read it. We were like, oh, yeah, Atribo Games, let's go. It was it was definitely that. 
Excellent. Yeah. Oh, uh, when they do that thing, I hate that thing, but they did that thing where it was like, oh, we picked this one. They're trying to be very, like, vague. Mm. And then they were like, oh, because of the environment and the world they built, I'm like, mm, that sounds like us. Mm. Because they're, like, dedication to, like, building up new uh, new markets, that sounds also like us. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, they just say, like, oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. And then I was just, like, a little, like, ah. Oh, man. Because uh, we had, you know, we lost, uh, I think we, we applied in, like, 2019. Mm. um they just said we weren't ready yet yeah that was a that was a worse i think uh pitch the the first one we did because uh there was like stuff going on in my own life that made it like very stressful Mm. and then was kind of in this spot where i was like well if we don't get this funding we're not gonna be able to get other funding and Mm. it was just kind of this like which turned out (laughs) not to be true it did turn out not to be true but i think at the time like it's funny because the stress I felt then versus the stress I felt at the 2022 one was like way higher at the 2019 one. Hmm. I think it's because we were just resigned to like, this was going to get finished no matter what. It's too late. The ball's right. already rolling. The mm-hmm. money will come. If it's not this, we'll get it from somewhere else. We'll do, we'll figure something out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, they were like, you got it. Like, oh my God. Sensational. I'm still bummed we didn't get one of those giant uh, fake checks. We got a giant <laughs> fake check, and they did not have a backup one for us. Um, they said we could, like, I think somebody made, I think Emily made a joke about, like, oh, we could, like, Photoshop it in. Like, it's not the same. <laughs> I don't know why in my brain I always assume those are whiteboards, and they just take it back and wipe it off till the next time. No. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's a giant, it's fake, it's a giant Interesting. printed fake check. Interesting. Yes. Miegan, last time we talked, uh, there were a couple things I asked about the uh, what you expected the player experience of Hill Agency to be. Uh, and I'm wondering, uh, three years later, now that it's out, uh, uh, how that shaked out. You mentioned um, that you would have wanted it uh to be more in-depth analytical style detecting uh and the player has to come to conclusions on their own it's not as spoon feedy as other detective games maybe are do you feel you achieved that i mean i think i'm gonna have to wait for people to say what they think um the audience will let you know yeah the audience will let me know i don't think we did because mm. we did have to make a lot of financial decisions and then cut way back on stuff mm. and also because we couldn't afford another writer um it it did turn the situation where i'm like i'm writing everything i wrote pretty much if it's in there i wrote it wow so that that it became a thing where i was like okay i took on more than i can chew and, and the thing about being a game where the player really has to be analytical is making sure that things line up the way they would if this had just been real people Mm. uh, moving through a a space and that that actually caused that's a lot of like okay who's was where when okay that they would have left x yeah that kind of thing so it's probably not as analytical but Mm. i haven't heard any complaints about that aspect i haven't heard anyone complain about the detective ish we were very clear in our the language when we positioned the game it's more of a interactive narrative it's mm-hmm. more like a story but i i've seen people get through the first the, the tutorial so if they can get through the tutorial yeah. i do know there's things that like people aren't using and i think that was like we could have done better to like let them know it's there mm. um, or give them a reason to use it but at the same time i did want things to just be there that if the player wants to play with it they can play with it if they want i want to i wanted to like reward curiosity Hmm. um, 
which I think is really what I think a good detective game should be. It rewards curiosity. It's yeah. not like, go do this thing, go do that thing. So if you do interact with it, then it will tell you how to use it. But no, nothing's going to tell you like, hey, you should use this. Hey, you should do this. You're, you should talk to this person. Like no one. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, the, the one thing that kind of didn't work quite as well as we had hoped was the search terminal. Oh, mm. poor search we're, terminal. We're working on that. We're working yeah. on that one. Um, Games are never but- done, just released. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where uh, we actually had this whole kind of lore behind like how they how they have like functional sort of intranet Mm. in in the place. Like I'm like, well, it's like way in the future. I'm like, all of our infrastructure by that point would have deteriorated. So like you wouldn't have like fiber optic lines. I'm like this cool thing that I just read on the internet said that fungus can send information through mycelium. I'm like, what if? the entire internet had been taken over by a fungus and all of the old old internet lines were essentially replaced by mycelium strands. And so you're literally just tapping into this fungal network through the search terminals. And it's just like whatever data was still stored there. So it wouldn't be like, you wouldn't have like all the newest stuff, but it's like Mm. whatever had been left behind. And so like you could look through old stuff. We'd have tidbits about lore in the world and the, that was one of the things that got sacrificed to, to time and money. I'm just like, yeah. curse that money. You know, one of the things I wanted was like, there would be like a, a spiral yes. network mm. behind the thing and like it would glow and pulse. Yes. And it was just like, ah. Like signals coming out and in. Yeah. 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 That would be beautiful. And so like when you, when you log into it, there it plays a little tone that is from actual, like Paul was playing around with it. It, it is the, the melodies that you get when you send electric signals through fungi. Mm. and a little bit of a dial-up tone that's awesome yeah oh man yeah we wish we could have done more with that yeah yeah we wish we could have had more for the little details part of it was just because of the financial situation we were kind of always shifting who was working on what because people would get better jobs and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so that did kind of create a situation where we didn't have a brain trust necessarily going all the way through the project we didn't necessarily have a really smooth transition because Mm. sometimes we were like oh i'm gone i'm leaving right now and you're like what you can't just do that yeah (laughs) and then and other people like you know they got ill and that's not their fault so it was like for the same deal so there are things that didn't get done not because they couldn't have if we'd been in a perfect scenario where nobody left or or everybody who kind of was at the project at the end had been there at the beginning mm-hmm. but we kind of knew that going into this project like one of our success points that we said for it or at least i did was that we finished the game with a group that we want to do our next game with. Mm. And so we're uh-huh. keeping that brain trust going forward. And that, you know, the things that you see in this game that didn't get in or the little details or the smoothness of, of getting it done will now go into the next game. It, my, uh, my usual end question is what's next for Achimo games. And so, yeah, that, that feeds nicely into that. Yeah, talk about it. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, yeah. Another another one of the things you mentioned the first time we spoke uh, was that as you were starting to develop Hill Agency, you were a little worried that the Cree you were using wasn't like authentic or right. And then you said you sort of just leaned into that because the story of the game is sort of like people without people with connection to a nation, but not a family or community coming together. And so this is how that Cree would develop. And you, you sort of coined it future Cree. I was wondering how did future Cree develop throughout the rest of the game? And, and what do you think of what? ended up as the the final future Cree. Yeah, we called it Creelish. Creelish. Or, 
Nawish. Nawish. Like Spanglish, uh, kind of. Yeah, like Spanglish. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Nawish. And it, I actually I actually dialed it back a lot mm. uh, because I was noticing that it was difficult for people to understand. Mm. And I wanted to go hard. I did actually want to go hard on the language thing. But I also was like, I want people to be able to play it. This is probably an experiment for like another project. Mm to go hard so because originally what i was doing was stuff like english but with cree grammar huh. which is um kind of similar to german grammar because it's a verb language whereas uh english is a noun based verb. yeah gotcha. so a lot of words in neowin cree are, are sentences in english mm. so i was doing stuff like that was throwing in some cree so what i try i ended up i think doing was english with cree cadence Hmm. And or or, or uh, hone shone and shnabe cadence. Mm -hmm. If you were to read out loud properly with Cree words, um, and then occasionally like English words that are the way Cree people would say them. Mm. And it's really funny because I was like, we're gonna get people being pedantic, being like, that's not how you spell that, or what is that word? I can't look it up. And I was like, no, you can't. Try saying it out loud. Aren't those the worst mm -hmm. comments? <laughs> That that actually happened to me when we were we were doing just just before the end there. Oh no! Uh, I read this, I read this piece of dialogue. I'm just like, doesn't it feel like there should be a, a when there? And she's like, no. Read and I wait and then I go wait. I just write it out loud. Don't make, <laughs> yeah, it makes perfect sense. Cause never mind. Yeah, you had to think yeah, of that, it more. That is a difficult thing with the, the way I write because I write for stage, mm. um, and so it is meant to be spoken. It's not really which I get why language is different depending on whether it's spoken or read but mm -hmm. i also think it's important especially for a game like this that's about a culture that would be majority like verbal mm. that people kind of push themselves out of that comfort zone one thing though that i drove me nuts we got one comment um they were like on their bug we have a bug report somebody's like oh they're they're all calling the, the electro dog something different. And I was like, no, only the adults are, because adults never get the names of toys right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Everything yeah, with the so controllers in Nintendo. Yes. Exactly. So there's a lot of stuff like it's that. It's a Pokemon. <laughs> it's a Pokemon. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. And I think maybe what I couldn't do in making a very analytical game, I mm. did do in making like a very natural speaking red game and i think that's going to be a challenge for some people but if you're going in for a detective game you need to have your brain on mm -hmm. and you need to ask questions you don't need like i would say but like always benefit the doubt to the writer assume that they're doing it on purpose if mm. it does not go to a logical conclusion then maybe ask if it's on purpose mm. because yeah i can tell when somebody like maybe this game isn't for you <laughs> if yeah, that right. bothers you <laughs> Yeah, I think one of, one of the things that I uh, appreciated just after releasing the game is uh, we've had a couple indigenous uh, streamers mm -hmm. test it out, and uh, there's one uh, I think she goes by Miss Mirgan. I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing. Mirgan, I'll yeah. I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing that. Um, she was like, <laughs> who among us? <laughs> like she she was laughing like the whole time she was reading like the oh intro God. to Mary, and uh, so that was like the target audience. That was like the yeah the people who yeah. needed to get it got it. Yes. Yeah, I'll share and it. The other thing that was really entertaining is like when we oh, had yeah. an instance hmm. where we ran into the Creelish, she would stop and look it up. Awesome. Huh. Yeah. So like she was just like like when when the boys are talking to Hill in the part, there's there's a little bit of a little bit of dialogue there that is is in Cree, and she's just like, wait a minute. 
wait a minute. And then she goes back and reads it, and I'm not going to spoil it for you. <laughs> uh, but she, she's just like, oh, oh, oh. oh, oh. <laughs> I love when a game makes me tab out for any reason to, like, open Wikipedia yeah. or Google something. Because it's like, I'm learning, you know? It's yeah. beautiful. I, I also did some mean things. There's a couple of words that are Cree or, or uh, Mohawk that are not spelt. They're spelt the English way. Mm. not Because currently... Um, the phonetic system that's used in most indigenous languages French. Mm -hmm. And so that could be really hard for English speakers to be able to pronounce. Like that's actually one of the reasons why Sade has such a hard time with people pronouncing his name. Mm. K is not a K, it's a G or, and it's a specific kind of G. Um, Hmm. And that can be really frustrating, but it's also really funny because I did that and now people are going to have a hard time Googling it because only the French version is available. (laughs) Yeah. It's like so. So you have now. You have to go find the the French phonetics. Yes. So you can convert from your English phonetics, and uh, welcome, welcome to being an indigenous person in, in, in the <laughs> current time period. Yeah, yeah. Like, I barely so, speak oh, English, so. Like, oh, and I have to learn syllabics. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh my God! Uh, we actually caught a couple times where the syllabics were reversed, mm. and I think what was it with drinks? Technically, it's a nonsense word, but I think it was like, it was something dumb, like ass wipe or like, <laughs> it, if you squinted, but yeah, I was like, that's not, we can't put that up. That's why we play test. This is yeah. why we play test. Yeah. There was a couple of times when that happened. Um, and so syllabic has its own like issues. Um, it's definitely mm. not designed for signage. It's... Mm. Um, as far as I can tell, it was specifically designed for writing. So mm-hmm. it's a written, it's meant only for like transcription. Mm-hmm. It's not meant for signs. So yeah. it's why actually it's kind of a struggle to make syllabic signs work certain ways mm. because they can't just translate to that. And then one of the things we played around with that we didn't do was we were talking about putting the Cree word in Latin, which is, you know, the way it's spelled with the, the French pronunciation mm-hmm. and then use the syllabic over top very similar to like how the Japanese have like their dual system mm. so then you know exactly what the letter sound is supposed to be hmm. uh, on top but no, that just like I was like that does not work right now so we did yeah. not do that's that that's tough that's tough it was yeah. a lot it's a lot of letters in a small amount of space you're not seeing or not used to seeing Yes. That's uh, it for the, the time I scheduled, but uh, uh, Megan and Sade, thank you so much. Uh, I would be remiss. Last time our interview ended with uh, both of us uh, not excited for Last of Us Part 2. So I'm curious, <laughs> since then, have you played it and what did you think? No, I have not played okay. it. I am not going to play it. Probably for the best, because I yeah. did. <laughs> uh, but Sade is a big fan of the show. I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, I oh, played you like the show? Is the yeah. fungus. The fungus is yeah. talking and connecting. Yeah. Oh man! I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I'm a lot more forgiving when a when a game makes a narrative choice. Mm. So you know, what made a lot of people angry? I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, that's that's. You know. So that thing wasn't the thing that made me angry, but mm. Mm, yeah, <laughs> no, I think I think we all might not like it for similar reasons, but well, uh, yeah. so like the thing we got on a, on its case for was that it wasn't pr- well for me. Mm. It was not properly addressing what I felt was 
this guy, this doctor that Joel kills, I do not believe for a second that he knew what he was doing. Like, that was my <laughs> big thing. I'm like, I don't believe this man knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. There's no narrative justification you can give me to tell me that this man has any idea what he's doing. He's just murdering children yeah. because he's a dumbass. Yeah. And the show's like, or not the show, the, the second was like, no, he was doing this. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. You're lying. Yeah, and it's just like we just needed a narrative thread, you know, and that's the same thing. It's a narrative choice. I'm just kind of like, okay, and you know, I don't honestly, I didn't think they needed to connect them like that. I really mm. don't. I think there's too many times in game design where people feel like they need a narrative justice for something to happen, and life is just so goddamn random. That's true. That it it could have been completely random instances of why these things happened, mm-hmm. and that would have worked probably better. Hmm. Honestly. Well, on that note, to play a game with probably much more deliberate and enjoyable narrative choices, Hill Agency colon, Purity Decay by Achimo Games Team is on Itch.io and Steam, but you should buy it on Itch.io so they get more money. I'll leave the links top of the show notes. Is there anything else you two would like to plug or have people know about your game, your studio, before we take off? Sorry, you've been doing a ton of stuff. You just... Oh... Oh, God. So I just did Indigipop X in Oklahoma City. It was part of Native Realities uh, publishing. So that was cool. Um, I did some work on Coyote and Crows, the tabletop uh, role-playing game. Ooh, good name. Indigenous sci-fi fantasy. Whoa. Uh, Yeah, in an an uncolonized Turtle Island. Um, That's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. And then um, I've done a couple anthologies. There was a uh, Moonshot Volume 3, I did some stuff, and then there was, it's called A Howl, an indigenous werewolf anthology, actually, I think it's like wolves, werewolves, and rougarou, Ooh. so. Giving yeah. big, you're giving cool. big Austin Walker vibes right now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I, I, I like doing horror stuff, so like, I'm looking forward to you know, maybe doing some more horror stuff later on, mm. um, like, my, one of my very first games in the industry was working on the Saw franchise, so. Whoa. Yeah. Randomly, I was in Wolfville. I'll end it with that. I was in Wolfville, Nova Scotia, and I was at a used game store. And for some reason, Saw 2 is like $90 in 2023. Here's what sucks. Like, I never got, like, our, our team never got free copies. They of give the you game. a copy of the game you made? No, no. Seize no, the no. means, comrades. No, no. <laughs> I know. And, and here's the thing that annoyed me. I saw online uh, an unopened copy of Saw 1 was going for like three to 400 US. Oh. And I'm just like, Oh. I just wanted I just wanted my game for the shelf. Like I didn't even have to have the game. Like I just wanted the box the box. I didn't art, even man. have to grow up in value four hundred percent. I just wanted it. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like it's it's this thing that I worked on that I, you know, put a lot of time into and it's just like I don't have no way to show it other than like I have a bunch of the concept art that I still have. Well, dear listener, let's get hashtag get Sade saw trending and uh, we will hopefully someday in another interview with this team, maybe around the announcement of uh, Achimo Game Project 2 or some other event, uh, I would love to keep uh, covering Achimo in the future. Yay! Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, and I'll work on my alarms for the, the meetings next time. <laughs> no stress, no stress. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.
It's comic comic book guy has no uh, softness to him. He is an insult to the Simpson community. Oh my god, yeah. Which is so weird because I feel like that's how those guys got started. Because like you know the background for like yeah like they got started in like the weird comic era and they would go to these things like they are them. They yeah. are this guy. Yeah. yeah, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the Don't villain. Become villain. <laughs> yeah. 